Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to another edition of ECH Post Game Live. Uh, it is RJ this time. You may have noticed uh, Dylan and I switching roles today. He is at the game at Climate Pledge Arena. So he's going to join us in a little bit after getting some reaction from the players, the coaches. If you've watched Post Game Live before, you know the drill. Uh, just going to be uh, me leading the uh, Emerald City Therapy session today. Uh, so welcome everyone in here. Thank you for joining me for ECH Post Game Live presented by Flatstick Pub our wonderful sponsor. Thank you so much to Flatstick Pub for sponsoring each and every one of these post-game lives. Uh, great place to go to watch a Kraken game. They've got more shots at this on the homestand, uh, and they've got specials, yearly specials all season, uh, pre-game, 50% off games, and then after the game, dollar off beer, uh, which, you know, maybe, maybe you could use a little bit after this one. This was a difficult game for the Kraken. And it just, it feels like a lot of the same issues that we've seen uh, over this season that have led to, you know, some of their failure to get some of these points that they need. Um, I think plain and simple, the Kraken just kind of parked the bus in the third and they expected to just be able to sit on this lead. And you just can't do that in the NHL. It doesn't matter how bad your opponent is. And yes, the Flames are a bad team, but the Kraken just, you know, got into that defensive shell, thought they could wait it out. Their goalie, Joey Decord, was playing really well, and uh, you just can't afford to do that. The other team's going to get a bounce at some point. It happens, Andrew, Andrew Pani gets the bounce, and unfortunate that it's him too, given what he did to Jared McCann last time these teams met in Seattle. But yeah, it's it's a frustrating one, and I'm, I'm kind of seeing this in the chat here. Uh, Ryan, I'm so tired of losing to the Flames me too. Uh, the Kraken have yet to beat the Flames at Climate Pledge Arena. I thought Dylan was going to be able to kind of turn around the luck this time, but uh, wasn't to be. And yeah, I mean, the Flames do seem to have the Kraken's number. And this season, it really just feels like because like the Kraken have just underestimated them and uh, taken them you know, kind of for granted as an opponent. You can't keep doing that. Uh, James, pathetic, not a postseason team. I mean, certainly not giving up points like this. Um, you need to get the two points against inferior teams like Calgary if you're going to make the playoffs. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Uh, first super chat of the night uh, here from Chip. Thank you very much, Chip. Uh, Gord has me fuming after his performance, or lack thereof, rather. I just don't understand what he was going for, but it only worked against us. Um, rough shift, I mean, rough penalty, we'll say, from, from Yanni Gord in the third period there. Um, and it, it was a good shift from the guys, too. It was the first shift of the third period where I felt like the Kraken were really attacking and not just sitting back and trying to, to hang on to the lead. Gord gets a one-timer opportunity there, and, and a good one as well. Can't quite hit the net. And, um, you know, then takes an offensive zone penalty. And, and those are the kind of penalties you just cannot take in the third period when you're trying to hang on to a lead. If you are going to just sit back and, and defend, you certainly can't be going down a man. It, it was unnecessary. Um, and I think Yanni Gord, he's played so well the last few games. This one, uncharacteristically bad third period for him. Um, scrolling back up to the top of chat here. Um, Zoe, I remember the first period when we shot the puck would have been cool if we could have done that in the third period. Yeah. I mean, pointing out the Kraken, I just, they, they parked the bus. They didn't have that killer instinct, that mentality. That's something Dylan and I were kind of texting back and forth about in the third period. I ended up tweeting about it, just saying that they, they seem content to hang back and try and defend this lead. And it was worrying to me. And, and you felt that goal coming, the Mangiapane goal. You felt it coming for like 10 minutes or so, uh, just given the Kraken weren't really trying to put pucks on net. 
Um, you know, yeah, lots of comments here. Nicole B all talking about just allergic to hanging on to a lead, all of that. Um, Grubauer puts a giant hole in the boat and Kraken third period disappearance act sinks the ship. Feels like this could have been a different game with Joey starting. I, I certainly agree with you on, on tonight's performance. Yeah, I think it would have been different had Joey started the game. Uh, it was a little puzzling this morning to see that Grubauer was going to get the start just given the career splits and how that's generally worked out with the two of them. Joey has had the stronger games against Calgary. I understand after the last game against Vancouver, wanting to let Grubauer kind of get into a rhythm, get some more starts. I mean, he is your starting goalie after all, but it was not his night. Definitely not. I think in the first period, I'll, I'll say it. Uh, he looked leaky. Uh, he looked shaky, and I think it's good that Dave Haxtell took him out. I do want to give Dave Haxtell credit for making that goalie change because it's something that I certainly didn't see coming at the time, but he recognized that it just wasn't Gru's night and made the switch, gave the team a jolt, and I think it was really a turning point in this game. I mean, the Kraken go out and get a couple goals to take the lead after that, and Joey was fantastic. Obviously, not his fault that they lost at all. Um, you know, Good on Haxtell, though, for making that goalie change early because I think it could have gotten worse if he hadn't done it. Absurdly saying, I just don't understand why 60 minutes is so hard for them. They've been in search of this 60 minute effort all season. I, I don't really understand it either. It's something the guys have to be aware of, certainly. Um, and yet they just can't seem to, to put it together. And I will say Dave Haxtell kind of pointed that out this morning. I thought there was a really interesting quote from him and I probably should have, you know, quoted it and tweeted it this morning, but it, it did make me think twice. He said, you know, I feel like we've had really consistent efforts from this group. I think the consistency of this group has been excellent. Of course, it feels like every time I've said that this season, we've taken a step back. So we have to not do that going forward. So it's something that Hackstall recognized. He knows whenever it feels like they've got the consistency down. And after the Vancouver game, it certainly felt that way. But every time it feels like they've taken a step back and they've done it again here. So, you know, I, I don't know what you do at this point. You just have to, to get that message across. Um, Lindsay, the hockey gods do not, in fact, reward parking the bus. No, they certainly do not. Uh, Maddie, I just want to get above 500. I know the Kraken have had a few chances to get above 500 so far this season, still, uh, or get to 500. Still can't quite get there, but uh, more chances coming up. You got the Sharks and then the Canucks again uh, later this week. Uh, Michigan Kraken, our defense felt sloppy. You know, at times it was. I think the Kraken had really good stretches, like the second period. I thought they played excellent defensively. A lot of that was puck possession, just working the puck in the offensive zone where it's not even in your zone to have chances against. But I thought overall they they did well there. It's just in the third period, even even though they kept the flames to the outside fairly well, those chances are going to get up, uh, add up, and you're going to have a bounce like you did to Mangiapane. It might look different the next time if you keep doing it, but that puck just kind of gets lost in him, drops right at his feet. That's the kind of stuff that happens when you do park the bus. Um, yeah, Lindsay giving props to Hackstall for making the goalie change. Um, uh, let's see. If Haxtell, uh, James, if Haxtell can't get across these guys' skulls that they need to continue to shoot the darn puck in every period, then he has to go. Or the players need to go. Tired of this up and down nonsense. I mean, he he sent a message in pretty clear terms last week in practice, you know, uh, you know, shoot the bleeping puck. I mean, I guess maybe he needs to add, you know, every period all the time. Um, it just feels like these messages don't fully stick. They can stick for a couple games, but then, you know, that then they just don't. Um Let's see. 
Uh, Sean, um, Joey may be an overall better goalie so far this year, but he takes way too many risks. I'm close to saying the Kraken may have a goaltending issue again. I mean, I will say Joey hasn't really been burned on those risks a ton. Um, you look at the goals against him tonight, the two of them in, in, you know, most of the game and the Mangiapane one, certainly not his fault. It kind of just drops at his feet. It was a weird play. And then, you know, the overtime goal, I think Joey makes the first save on that play. He does get turned around a little bit, but three on three is chaotic. And, you know, the goaltending issue, if you look at the numbers, certainly it's it's there, right? Both Kraken goalies have negative goals saved above expected. Uh, and they both rank, you know, if you look at the 62 goalies in the league, you know, starter and backup, or sorry, 64 for each team, they both rank in the 40s to 50s. So none of them putting up, neither of them putting up real starter numbers. I think Joey's still playing well enough to give his team a chance. But I think if, if you're looking at the game tonight, it's certainly not his fault. And you just can't park the bus. I don't care who's in net for you. You can't let that many chances uh, come in on you in the third. Um, Coop, how does Tolvi choose not to shoot that puck, but then decide to just leave it in the corner for the flames? Baffling. I know. I thought he was going to shoot that puck. I was so sure he was going to take it across the middle and fire a shot there. And he's got such a great shot too. I know in overtime, and this may be the coaching. This may be the coaching telling them to be conservative, wait till you got a really good chance. And, and normally I support that generally, but I think that's a good enough chance to pull the trigger there. He, he just has to do it. Um, and I saw him this morning too. It looked like he was really feeling it with his shot. It seemed like he felt confident in morning skate today. Dylan and I both noticed it. I, I just felt like he was going to go for it there. I think he should have. Um, let's see. Uh, go check yourself. Third period flames were playing like they were down by one goal and Kraken were playing like they were up four. better luck against the sharks. I hope. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of how it went. Um, yeah. Byron one day, the Kraken will realize that they aren't good enough at defense to defend for 20 plus minutes. I hope I know they, they probably like to think they are. Um, yeah. It reminds me of the, uh, the line from the miracle movie, you know, you aren't good. You don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. You know, you're not good enough at defense to defend the whole game uh, or, or even for a whole period, you've got to attack a little bit and they're good when they do, um, you know, just can't be on their heels like that. I think we're all kind of in agreement on that. Um, let's see. Yeah, I mean, lots of messages here. You know, see our bud, James, all talking about just sitting back in the third period here. Um, you know, George Costanza can deal with losing because of a lack of talent, but a lack of heart, this is getting old. And, and that is something that that's a little bit frustrating too because this has never been a problem with this team before is, is just the lack of a full effort. Even year one, as much as they were certainly challenged in the talent department, and oh boy, were they. You know, those of us who are watching those remember they never gave up. You never saw them have third periods consistently like this. They were in the Calgary position, usually against some of these teams. They were the team fighting back. And if you weren't really careful uh, to attack and, and go put them away, they were going to come back and get those harder and goals. And right now the Kraken are on the other end of it. But they, you know, they don't have Colorado's talent. They don't have, you know, Tampa's talent. They, they can't uh, really do that. Um. See, as a few people mentioning, you know, they don't don't feel like this is a playoff team. I, I the possibility is still there. Like they they gained a point tonight. It is half a win, um, but you're gonna have to start getting two points against these teams because if you play like this against really good teams, you know, you're not gonna get any points out of it. Um, let's see, everyone just wanting to reach 500 someday. I, I see you be. Um, let's see another super chat here from Jessica. Thank you, Jessica. 
Uh, I saw Tanev number eight looking wistfully into the stands. Does he want to join us? Uh, maybe. I mean, it, I think he likes hanging out with his brother. I, there was some fun uh, Tanev versus Tanev shifts tonight. Uh, those two are always so fun to watch. I thought he had a great game for the Flames. Uh, Chris Tanev did. Um, yeah, I. You know, he he would improve the blue line. That's for sure. You got to figure out who you're moving out and, and you know, what, how that would all look. I think it would take a lot of assets to get him. Uh, Chris Tanev is a, a well-respected blue liner in this league. I'm sure there'd be a bidding war for him. Don't know that the crack, I mean, that the flames would want to send him in division either, but uh, you can never have too many Tanevs on your team. That's for sure. And thank you for the super chat there, Jessica. Um, and then, uh, yeah, hockey, I'm pointing out good to see the Tanev brothers play against each other. Always is. That is fun. Um, Let's see back down here in chat. Um, yeah, Joey, not wanting to hear at least we got a point. I'm so sick of celebrating a point. I, I think in this game, that's absolutely fair. Um, you know, I think against if you're playing against a really good team like those Colorado Edmonton, you know, Edmonton is its own thing. But you're playing against Colorado, you pick up a point. I think you can be proud of that. Against Calgary, you need the two points. I, I am with you. Um, I'm just saying it, it doesn't, you know, the point does help them as far as just banking points for the overall playoff chase. Like you just can't get too far behind by like Thanksgiving and start of December and all of that. So at least they, you know, they stay level there, I suppose. Um, let's see. Yeah. I mean, so many, so many comments about the third period. I, I'm, I am with you all here. Um, Sergey, should we start paying for tickets one or two thirds of the price? <laughs> well, I mean, it seems like people are already doing that. The ticket prices for this game were very low. I saw, you know, $35 or so to get in the building. And I saw lower bowl tickets for about $50 uh, for this game, which is just about as low as I've ever seen it for a regular season game for the Kraken. So I, I think, you know, through supply and demand, I think the fans are actually paying for maybe the, you know, two thirds of a game effort. We are starting to see that a little bit. Um See, Dexter thought they might take the momentum from that penalty kill and get it done. Boy, was I wrong. Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of penalty kill that usually you, you can sometimes get the momentum if you kill it off and then attack from there on, but just they didn't. All right, so here we go. I've got uh, Dylan here at Climate Pledge Arena. This is so cool just seeing him being on this side of it. Um, I, I, I am really enjoying this. So let's uh, bring in Dylan. Hey Dylan, how's it going? Um, I mean it's going. <laughs> is that, is that all right? <laughs> all right. So Dylan, obviously a uh, a frustrating game here, and we kind of all yeah. both watched it unfold in slow motion. You in person this time. Um, what? I feel like we've seen this game before, Dylan, uh, and I yeah. feel like players and coaches have seen this game before. What did they have to say about a game that we've kind of seen a few times already? Not much. <laughs> I will tell you that. You're talking maybe two questions asked to, to Everly and, and Jared McCann each. Uh, Dave Haxtell didn't have much. You know, the idea of, of the, the third period being a struggle is brought up. The fact that they only had, I believe, three shots on goal in that period was brought up. And really all he had to say was, look, they spent too much time in their own zone, which any of us could have said. And um, he, he said that's that's a product of them, you know, Calgary just putting on a, a big push after their big push in the second period and then not winning enough face-offs in the third. 
know, on a night where the Kraken were pretty dominant on the face-off dot. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's really tough to see. I mean, the, the, the first period was rough, right? Uh, Kraken stayed in it, but it was, it was a period in which it very much felt like the Kraken, you know, were, were overthinking things a little bit, right? Like maybe they were on a little bit too much of a high from that Vancouver victory, and they were, they were trying to, to get a little cute, right? Um, but then they, they come up for the second period. They're just playing their game. They're, they're reacting to each other. They're being cerebral. A lot like the stuff we talked about earlier on the podcast, RJ, when it comes to Wenberg. But really, it applies to a lot of this team. When, when the team can just kind of go out there and play loose and play hockey and, and take advantage of opportunities as they develop rather than trying to force them, that's when this team plays at their best. And that's what we saw from them in the second period here. And then in the third period, they just went right back into, you know, you called it a shell on Twitter. Like, I, whatever it is you want to call it, they just lose all, like every aggressive bone in all of their bodies just disappears all at once for these third periods. And as long as you're getting sub five shots on goal in a third period, I mean, I don't know many teams that aren't going to find themselves in this exact situation. Yeah, it doesn't matter who you're playing against. It's the National Hockey League. These teams are good enough to, if you just go into that shell, uh, they're going to get at least one on you and, and tie the game. Uh, Casey in here. Hi, Dylan in Seattle. Comic binge. Dylan, everyone's happy to see you there at the game uh, in Seattle. But, um, Jen, I'm going to go pounce on Dylan shortly, so uh, watch <laughs> out. Um, but a question for you here, because you were with me at Morning Skate today. Yeah. And there was a quote from Dave Haxtell. I don't know if you kind of caught it, but it certainly stood out to me where he was talking about the consistency of this team's effort. And he said, you know, I feel like we've had really good consistency, this group in, in effort. He said, but every time I've said that so far this season, we've taken a step back. And sure enough, he says that this morning, they certainly take a step back tonight. I was there any kind of acknowledgement of that from him or I mean, I'm just trying to get a gauge on on the tone here. It was just kind of what it was one of those just like kind of quick in out, you know, yep. we, we know what's going to be said one of those. Okay. Yeah, so, it was it was one of those. Like I said, there weren't really many questions at all. That wasn't, you know, what what this was about like I, I would i would say a decent you know I, I don't know exactly how much but a decent amount of media wasn't even down there by the time like everly was finishing up uh from the first group like everybody was just like get in get out let's let's just move on from this one uh and i think that included some members of the media too we've, we've seen this song and dance before you know yeah, I mean, you could, you know, if you're a writer, you could have the article kind of pre-written, just, you know, fill in the particulars. I, I understand. Um, so right before you got on here, we were talking, someone was suggesting, you know, can the can we just pay a third or two thirds of the ticket value, you know, because th that's how much effort is being brought here. Um, but I am curious, for, if you, look, you were in the building tonight. Yeah. I am curious about the crowd, the atmosphere, maybe how many empty seats, just because I did notice tickets were super cheap. Tickets were beforehand, but you know what? Not that many empty seats. It like really wasn't. Okay. Uh, there was there was it was a big healthy crowd. I thought, uh, you know, the first period, like I said, it wasn't the greatest first period. You know, people were loud through warmups. People were allowed to start the game, and then as the first period kind of went on, and the Kraken, you know, would make one too many fancy passes, and things would kind of you know not really develop for them. The, the crowd naturally quieted down. But you know what? They really got loud for the start of the second. Kraken came out and they played such a strong second period, RJ. I mean, that's one of the best second periods that they've played all season long. Totally got the crowd into it. The crowd was ready there, tried to support Joey, um, all that good stuff. And then, you know, 
afterwards, they were still in it for the third, right? You know, killing off penalties. Crowd was super loud. Joey make a big save. Crowd was super loud. Uh, Kraken would, you know, get a shot on goal, one of three, and it, they were super loud, and and they were really there for this one. Crowd definitely not a problem for this one. Everybody was here. Everybody was loud, and they were definitely supporting their team. Well, that's good to hear. Um, so you mentioned uh, Joey supporting Joey. I mean, they certainly got loud for him. There were a few big saves. You could see it uh, on the broadcast. And, you know, Brian pointing out here, you know, not dissatisfied with the point when we're set behind two to zero on seven shots. Joey earned us the point. Um, did Haxel have anything to say about the goalie change or kind of why he did that? Was he asked about that? Yes, he was. And this actually goes to a super chat. I don't know if you saw it here from Oh, Chip. sorry. Yes. Uh, Thank you. Hack, for, uh... Hack, where he's saying Hackstall confirmed Grubauer was swapped out due to injury and will evaluate his status tomorrow. Yikes. Yeah, he, he, he kind of did. He basically said, like, you know, we'll find out his status. He didn't he didn't totally know, you know, right in the moment. So it was it was a loose confirmation, but it was kind of a confirmation that, um, you know, Grubauer might have been shaken up at some point during that that first period. And and that's what led to the goalie swap, which, you know, it, it was making a goalie swap like that, RJ, I think you'd agree with me, right? If not a very hack stall move, uh, if, if he was to be aggressive, a lot of us up in the press bridge were like, you know, is, is this because Gru is, is maybe shaken up or, you know, is this the, maybe a new look for, for hack stall? I kind of like the idea if it was just, you know, him making that move, go for it, right? I mean, it was... It was a rough first period. It didn't look like Grubauer was tracking the puck particularly well tonight. Uh, you were seeing some stuff that was very reminiscent of season one Grubauer uh, this evening. And I don't think anybody really wanted to see that, um, especially after he's played so well so far this season. But um, I, I do think that that was, that was one of the more interesting conversations everybody kind of had. And then, you know, the Kraken pick up play. Joey's making all the saves that he can throughout that period and deep into the third. Kraken are, are doing a great job of holding the flames to the perimeter. I mean, again, you go look at the heat map, the shot chart over on Money Puck for this one, and you know, Kraken doing a great job. A lot of shots in close around Vladar, and then you know, for for the Flames, not really the case once Joey got in net uh, tonight. So you know, there's still a lot of positives for the Kraken as far as what their game is, what they want to do, and and you know how they can go out there for at least a period at a time and do it is all still very positive. It's, it's the right approach. They can execute on it in, in spurts. It's just a matter of, you know, stringing, you know, even if you could just give us two periods a game, maybe of that, maybe that would be enough to keep it from overtime. RJ. Well, that's important information there on Grubauer. And I, you know, we did kind of suspect maybe there was something. But I actually, I gave Haxtell credit. I came out here right at the start and said, good on Haxtell making that coaching change. I know Lindsay brought it yeah. up. You know, that was good being so aggressive when you know it's not your goalie's night. Change him out, you know, give the team a spark. It felt like that was a turning point in this game. Um, you know, I... I guess, you know, you don't like to see the reason there. You kind of hope that it's maybe just Hackstall being aggressive. But, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see where we're at there. If there's a practice tomorrow or, or what's going on, we'll, we'll keep keep an eye on the transaction, uh, AHL transaction yeah. log. Um, so question here from Casey. Is there a reason we didn't fight or punish Mangiapane for what he did to McCann? Your guess is as good as mine. I mean, look, the Kraken have kind of proven time and time again this year that's not really what this team is about. It's not really what they're – they're going for it hasn't it just hasn't been their identity and um you know this this is something that a lot of people have talked about right you know you can look look at the moves they make right injuries happen and and they haven't called up john hayden like you and i have thought they maybe would 
uh, throughout the course of this year. They've called up other guys. So it doesn't seem like the kind of identity that the team is particularly interested in developing uh, from a culture perspective. So it, I, it was kind of weird, though. Like, everybody was just like, oh, yeah, that happened, right? Like, like it wasn't. Yeah. It just wasn't really in the consciousness of, of at least people up on the media bridge and, and seemingly with the Kraken tonight either, or the crowd. No, no booze from Ajiapani really either. So, um, yeah, it's kind of weird how that happened. Yeah, uh, interesting. Yeah. So um, a big... Real, yeah, I was go gonna say, yeah, I was going to say real quick. Yeah. Uh, also, I'm on my laptop. You know how sketchy my laptop's been today. If, it, if I disappear, okay. I'll switch to my phone. I wanted to tell you that. Then, yeah, Got it. Good, good to know. All right, so big super chat here from Dave. Thank you so, so much, Dave. First super chat from me. Let's look past the loss and hold our heads high with big eyes, looking at the low to high with big shots from our D-men and the opportunities for some greasy goals. I was absolutely feeling loving it. Appreciate you, Dylan and RJ. I mean, first off, thank you so much, Dave, for the big super chat. Big impression with your first super chat. Love to see it. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, those low to high plays, big shots from the defensemen, like getting guys to the front of the net. I mean, for a lot of the game, I mean, they were they were doing that really well. They really were. I mean, like there were some fantastic moments and this was something that was brought up to, to Hackstall, the idea of hey, the Kraken, you know, we're looking a, a little greasier, right? Like they were they were getting in and around the net. Like I was saying before, I like that kind of new approach for this team. It, it feels like something that they've been missing, especially on a night like tonight, right? Against a goaltender like Ladar, where he's going to give up rebounds. So if you are taking a big shot from the point, you know that there's, there's a good chance there's going to be a rebound in front. You want guys there for that. But you just look at the way some of the guys on this team have been playing lately. Matty Beniers looks a lot more aggressive. He seems to really like kind of going towards the net right now and, and playing in close around there. I think Yamamoto maybe rubbed off on him a little bit when they were you know spending some time together sharing a line a couple weeks ago uh, because he's continued that approach you know with every shift that he has had. Uh, the fourth line really got things. They were really the one line buzzing for the Kraken in the first period here. Um, if, if you think back to that, I mean, the first 10 minutes, they played like half of that, just about that fourth line for the Kraken. And they really kind of helped establish that tone. And then, like I said, once you play loose, you just, you know, got, got guys reacting to each other, got them going to open spaces, got them going to the net, because that's just naturally where, you know, if, if you're a smart player, you're kind of drawn to those areas. I think that's a really good approach for the Kraken. And then, boy, when you got Vince Dunn playing the way he is, the way he takes that sweet draw back from Wenberg. Got to give credit to Wenberg for winning it. But the way he walks the puck laterally, right? He just, he, he waits and he just could see exactly before it was there, right? The parting of, of the flames and gets this incredible look. Incredible look. He's already fired the, the puck right as it opens up and it just goes in. It was a beautiful shot to see in person. Yeah, it was so pretty. And just the confidence that Vince Dunn is playing with. I mean, when he's playing like that, when he's feeling like that at the blue line, I mean, it's just so hard to stop. And also, I love seeing this in chat too. You know, Coop with the go Dave, Sean and Casey, you know, thanking Dave for the positivity. Mm -hmm. um, you know, really do appreciate that. And, um, yeah. you know, we've got, I just love seeing that in chat. You know, Kaylin, uh, everyone, you know, uh, thanking him for the positivity. So we appreciate that, Dave, getting that going. Put us in, putting us on a more positive note, because I think there are a lot of good things you could take away from this game. And, you know, about the, through the halfway um, halfway point mark of this, you know, post-game live, just, we do tend to kind of turn and, and start to feel yeah. a little bit better about things. Now that we've talked out a lot of the difficult things. Well, and again, they, they did get a point in this game. 
right? Like that's, that is a positive. There's been a lot of these situations where the Kraken have, you know, maybe not been able to do that this year. And so it still keeps a bit of positive momentum. Or if you are going to say this game is a step back, it doesn't feel like as large a step back, right? Because you still get that point. You are in a playoff position right now uh, because of said point. So there, there's a lot of things still positive. You look at the second period and how well they played, how well they rebounded from a rough first period, which is not something they've been used to this year, right? That had to be a new conversation for them to be having in the locker room of like, what are you guys doing? Like, you know, I'm trying to do too much. Just relax and go play some hockey for the second period. So I, I think that that was, that was an interesting dynamic to see take place. You, you had Joey come in cold after one period, right? And he looked fantastic the rest of the way. There are still plenty of positive things to talk about from this one. It is just, you know, it, it when the ending goes the way it is right it's it's a little it's a little tough at first yeah definitely and uh so i'm I'm gonna skip down a little bit further in chat here kind of from ones that like after dylan arrived um oh wait i see a super chat here yep. um yep super chat from light thank you light and again sorry if i'm, I'm a little slow on getting to these i, I got to get back in practice here i'm not used to being on this side of things so thank you everyone for bearing with me uh super chat from light Odd stat to report given issues with shooting this season, Kraken have taken more shots this year than this time last season. Was surprised by it, not going to lie. That is interesting. I would not have thought. Especially because, you know, the last couple of weeks, their biggest struggle arguably has been getting shots on goal. So for them to to, to be like that, that's, that is very interesting. I think it goes to show how at the beginning of the year, even though they, they had virtually zero puck luck, um, and, and nothing was really kind of falling for them. They were doing a really good job of generating chances anyway, right? You know, how, how many times did we talk about how many breakaways and things like that that they had? They just weren't quite able to, to capitalize. Or we were always talking about they're getting great looks. So they just can't finish. They need somebody who can you know, finish on these great chances that they're getting. So I think, again, in there is, is a lot of positives to look at, right? It's a really hard league, the National Hockey League, to get great chances on where somebody's going to be like, ah, oh, you got to finish that. That was such an incredible look because those are hard to come by. That's that's why they, they think of those that way. Um, I'm trying to figure out this lighting. and, and What is going on with the lights? Yeah, Edward pointed helping. it out. I mean, they're just not helping me right now. Um, but it's um, So there is a lot of positives. That is still kind of interesting, especially given like, you know, like we talked about, right? One of their main struggles right now is they can't they can't continue with that momentum and getting those shots later on in games. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm trying to think back to last season, too. I guess it shows how efficient they were shooting the puck, just like crazy, unsustainably efficient shooting the puck last year. Um, you know, but it, uh, yeah, it's interesting to go back and look. And I wonder if it changed over the course of the season, too. I, I swear this, the, the lighting, it never happens. What I mean, you usually get the banner lights or whatever, but I don't know, special occasion. Dylan's in the building here. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So switching gears here, and this is something James is pointing out a few times that I, I think it is worth talking about. Um, Pierre Edouard Belmar, I guess, you know, losing some some key third period faceoffs, um, and uh, you know that was something that uh, yeah, see, get, get Belmar off the ice if he isn't going to win big moment faceoffs. Like, what would you think about Belmar's game in this one? I know he started to become a little bit more of a controversial player, just given we saw Shane Wright step into that four C role and look amazing, um, and now that Belmar's coming back, you know, you kind of expect him to win every draw, I guess, which is you know too high of an expectation but you do expect yeah. him to win some key draws right well and he was a part of you know the kraken through two two periods granted they did do a stat correction after i sent the tweet of course um 
the Kraken had won two thirds of all the draws through the first two periods of this game, right? Like all everybody was doing it. And hey, maybe that's the reason why they only walked away with one point tonight instead of two was because they just wanted uh, they won too many faceoffs. Uh, that's certainly what my theories would say. Um, I, look, I'm I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Again, it's it's tough when you know. I was watching this this interesting YouTube video. It was about baseball, but it was about the um, the quiz that if you're applying for a job with the Yankees that they have you take, and it puts up a bunch of scenarios that you have to choose, like which player would you start tomorrow given these pitching stats, or which hitter would you want to come out to to face you know this pitcher in this scenario. And a lot of what they were trying to get at was that you you can't always ride the hot hand, like like having the empirical data that we have larger sample size you always default to a larger sample size right that is the philosophy and i think the same thing kind of applies here with belmar where it's looked rough here in the last week or so but you look at his whole body of work with the crack and you look at his whole body of work with the lightning you look at his whole career and you go this guy is still probably the best guy we have on the team just because he's lost a couple key draws in a couple games you know in a short time span doesn't take away from that and, and so I think that's probably where I'd go with. But yes, the fact that Shane Wright looked as good as he did and won as many face-offs as he did certainly you know, brings this up in a way that I don't think anybody expected uh, earlier in the year. Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad thing to see Shane Wright do so well either, but I, I do agree. I think Belmar, certainly, I don't know who else on the roster you're going to put on in those face-off situations and have more confidence that they're going to win them. Uh, a couple super chats here. First one from Chip. Uh, on the bright side, our issues are staring us at us in the face, and we know what our shortfalls are. Now we just need to deal with them consistently. And I think that's a good point there, Chip, as far as just consistency. Like, you know, Hackstall knows it. The team knows it. If you can just take those, you know... The, the, the good parts of this game, the good parts, basically the whole Canucks game, but just take mm -hmm. those habits, put them over a 60-minute effort, and just do that game in, game out. You're going to win a lot of hockey games. This team is, you know, they have the pieces to be as good as last year's team. They've just got to put it all together consistently. Yeah, they do. And, and it helps that, you know, the problems are known i think that's a big deal that's not always a luxury it's half the battle have. sometimes it really is and it you know i mean that was a question we were asking ourselves a couple weeks ago right or last month this time last month was what's really wrong here right trying to diagnose the problems trying to figure it out the fact that the problems are known now is is a big deal because it means that they can be addressed and like we saw with a lot of the other issues that the kraken have had this year Hackstall's addressing them but it, it takes a little bit of time Right. When you're in the middle of a season, when you're in the middle of a stretch in the schedule where you are playing more games than any other team in the league and you're not having back to back days off where you can really get in some hardcore practices and, and try to really change tendencies and get guys used to thinking a certain way in the offensive zone, all that kind of stuff. It, it takes even longer. And I think that's mostly what we're seeing right now is that, you know, yes, the problems have been diagnosed, but the solutions and and all that kind of stuff are just kind of slow on on the uptake just because they haven't had the time to really drive them home yet and i think that's where this upcoming weekend where they have three days off in a row can really kind of come through for them yeah and hopefully they see some more consistency too that the fordford lines being together uh hopefully for more games in a row hopefully you don't have injuries you know knock on wood contributing to that but that would be nice um super chat here from light for added context we have scored 16 less goals when looking at the shot thing i mentioned so 16 less goals at this point versus uh however many games in uh last season 
yeah, I mean, it's it's been quite a thing uh, to see. And, and I mean, look, we knew that they were going to regress a little when it came to shooting percentage. It's maybe been, uh, you know, an overcorrection in a way none of us really wanted to see. But I still think if you look, like this is one where you can start to look at like the trend of, of the data and it does, you know, it's been a lot more positive, right? We're seeing all of these games go 4-3, right? At the beginning of the year, the idea that they would be scoring four or three goals a game felt impossible at times uh, for for the squad. But but yet here we are, they're finding themselves in these higher scoring hockey games. So um, it is one of those things where it's it's trending in the right direction. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, let's see. Uh, was it Viharen? Yeah. Did we talk Larson assist? Though it was a goal at first yet. Uh, so Dylan, Larson doesn't score his first goal of the season, oh. but of course, you know, keeps up the point streak with you in the building. Had to get an assist at least. Um, what did you see out of him tonight? I'll give you the chance to talk Adam Larson. I was going to say, hey, for a brief moment of time, according to the NHL, he did have a goal this year, and it was because I was in the building. But yeah, uh, yes, yeah, he, he played, I thought, a really strong game, especially on the PK, right? I know people have been talking about his performance there and, and everything. I thought he looked strong there tonight. Um, yeah, I mean, he's look, he's he's moving the puck really well. He's seeing things in the offensive zone really well. I mean, I almost feel like that's new for him, uh, having you know watched him for so much of his career. But yeah, Adam Larson is just playing fantastic, as he always does, of course. And you know, is it bad that I was a little part of me was rooting for a shootout tonight, just on the off chance that Dave Haxtell no felt the vibes of the building we went with there. Adam Larson in the shootout? I know it's too much to ask. There's no way we saw it, but if ever there was a night, yes. I think it was tonight. That would have been fantastic. I would have been losing my mind. Yeah. Um, Brian said, thanks for the great stream, ECH. Great to see you, Dylan, at CPA. Yeah, everyone, they still uh, love seeing you at Climate Pledge, even if the lights are, are a little wonky <laughs> on you. Um, and then uh, somebody mentioned, I'm sorry, I saw it up, up in chat. Where was it? That there was a, a very bright light uh, in their face during the game. Um, and then maybe they're overcompensating for that issue in the Rangers game. <laughs> what do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, there was a there was a, a spot where like kind of some of the like spotlights for the crowd were just like kind of going off, at, at, like for no apparent reason. I don't know what was going on with that. Um, There's a couple like off music cues as well tonight. So I don't know. Hmm. Things things like this happen, right? It's the middle of the yeah. season. It's fine. I, there there are some games where it just feels like the vibes are a little bit odd, whether it was I mean that Rangers game certainly exemplified it with the light going off and the printer issues in the back and there's yeah lots of stuff going on. And then of course the game itself was not the best uh for the Kraken. So maybe it was just one of those nights. Um certainly saying thank you reminding everyone to hit the like button. Quick it's quick, it's easy, it's painless. There you go. That's a, that's a good endorsement there. Um, Coop. Hey, I've got a question. Is it allowed slash why doesn't hack ever call his timeout when things are clearly spiraling in the third, we haven't given up that tying goal yet. Like take a breath and reset. Now I think that's interesting. You bring that up Coop. Cause yeah. I kind of, for, I didn't, it didn't really occur to me during the third, but now that you mention it, yeah, I think a timeout probably would have been a good idea there. Yeah. That's, uh, that's seeing if I could address this. Um, it's uh, everybody on the press bridge got to hear my rants about, you know, coaches needing to coach a little bit more in the NHL. Cause this is not just a Dave Hackstall thing, right? Like this is all the coaches hold on to their timeouts way too much in my opinion. Right. Cause you think, well, there might be a 10 second with 10 seconds left. There's going to be a controversial goal and I'm going to need my timeout so I can challenge the play. Well, No, you don't. It doesn't even work that way anymore. I, right. I, that's what I'm saying. But it's like, they still all have that mindset. 
right? Yeah. Like it's just it's it's like built into them at this point. And so um it's it's not just him. This is just a thing, but I, I feel like it's the same thing when it comes to the goaltending switches, right? You know, I, I feel like a lot of goal, uh, some coaches, and I would say Haxwell is definitely one of them, right? He's, we've, we've seen him maybe be a little slow to make a change in the past. And, and tonight it sounds like, you know, the injury kind of forced this one more than anything. But it was, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of when coaches kind of take charge of games, right? They have, they have the ability to do that. And I, I'd like to see that maybe a little bit more rather than just like switching up a winger here or there. Yeah, and, and be asking, has Hack even taken a single timeout this season so far? He must have. I can't remember a specific one. I'm sure I he had. I can't sure remember one. Well, I do remember. There's I do remember after one of the games, it was like last week or so, where he mentioned after the game, he said, I probably should have called a timeout in that moment. So he recognized that he maybe should have. Um, I mean, it, w- it wouldn't be the most surprising thing to just have you know, heard him mention that after this game. I mean, if there was maybe a little longer of a presser, yes. maybe he would have thought about it. Um, but uh, yeah, that's interesting. We got to go look back. I mean, right. I feel well, like there must have been at least one like when they, you know, if they were down by a goal or something, trying to tie it with the goalie pull, that would be the time, right? Yeah, I was just going to say, if, if it happened, it happened in one of those situations. But when you're when you kind of have the third period struggles that they have where you need to kind of regroup your squad or they're spending way too much time in their own zone getting tired they're just chasing plays over and over and over i don't know what the better time is to take a timeout right and try to reset everybody get everybody on the same page at least let them catch their breath because they've just been chasing plays <laughs> for you know 5 10 15 minutes um so i i would like to maybe see that start happening a little more Mm-hmm. And, and Viren pointing out there was a really fortunately timed media timeout in the Vancouver game that seemed like it settled them down when they were starting to panic. That is true. That is that is very true. And they did take advantage of that. And so it shows kind of, you know, right, like the effects that it can have for you uh, and mm-hmm. maybe why it should be used. Yeah, so that's a, that's a really interesting point. That's something I'm going to be looking for going forward these next few games. Thank you, Coop, for bringing that up. That's really cool. Let's see. And by the way, I'm, I'm toward the bottom of chat now. So I know there was a bunch of stuff kind of in the middle, like as Dylan was coming on that I had to skip over. So if I did skip over your comment, please put it back in chat. We will get to it. Um, just just want to say that. Yeah. Um, and, and while you're doing that, RJ, I just got to give a big shout out to uh, Jen, a member of ECH, who's, who's here and uh, helping helping out with the with the computer situation, kindly pointing out that I was right next to a, a plug and helped me plug in my laptop while we were doing this. So that was brilliant. Much Thank you, Jen. And you know what? It would not be the first time that she's done that for us. Actually, I've had a couple times where my phone was really low on battery. She's found a plug nearby and, and saved the post-game live. So thank you, Jen. Uh, appreciate that. Not just tonight, but uh, the times you've bailed me out as well. Uh, thank you there. Uh, so a question from Tammy here. Do you think our lackluster performance will accelerate bringing prospects up to the big club? If so, what are your thoughts on who and when and how it impacts their development, either for better or for worse? All right. I think it does the exact opposite. I think them kind of being a middle of the road team right now makes it the, it's the least likely scenario in which they would do something like that, barring injury like we saw. Yeah. Uh, and, so, and it took a couple injuries for, for that to happen. And the big reason for that is, look, if the season was lost, you would do that to try to get guys some playing time, get them used to the NHL, all that kind of stuff, much like with Maddie season one, right, where it was just, you know, Kraken weren't going anywhere. You might as well bring him in, get him 10 games, get him used to the routine of the NHL. This was something I talked a lot about back then, right? He can just see what what 
the life of a pro player at the NHL level is like, what the schedule is like, what it's like to practice with them, go through that experience. It's really important stuff. And if you're, you know, if you're a team that's out of it, that that's a beneficial way you can kind of finish out the season. You can use it for some good, despite the fact that you're not playing for anything left. And if you're a really good team, it's beneficial, right? Because you get guys in there and they're seeing this great team perform night in, night out and what it takes to be a good team in every practice. And they're practicing against the best, right? Because this is a good team and they're seeing all of those great things. So it can be really good to bring them in around a good team. What you don't want to do is kind of bring them in on a team like this, where it's just going to create potentially more roster confusion, more lineup confusion. Um, and also you're going to have some really good moments and that's going to be good for them, but you're also going to have moments like we were starting to get worried about with Shane and Ryan, right? Where it was, the team was having like their worst stretch arguably ever from like an effort standpoint and all this stuff's going down and you don't want them to, you know, be affected by that. You don't want their confidence to be affected by something like that. And while a team is just kind of doing this, you really need that group to figure things out and, and learn to sink or swim. And, and adding, you know, young guys into that mix is just not a good idea, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And Dave Haxtell pointed out, too, after the uh, the Edmonton game, the rough one, uh, where, well, the first rough one, I get the one where the kids were up, you know, yes. that, that was good experience for those guys, you know, going through a game where the team didn't play well and kind of seeing what that's like, seeing the lessons you can learn from it. But I think even Haxtell realized after another rough game, like, OK, enough's enough. Let's send them back down where things are going okay. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think you want to be a little more secure in, in the team doing better before you bring them up if you were to do that again. So a couple of funny comments here. Uh, this one from uh, Autocat. There was a point in the game that the scary penalty music was playing by mistake and Alexiak was on the broadcast looking around worried. <laughs> yeah, there was kind of a couple of those. <laughs> And it was, yeah, that's, that's what I was referring to earlier. It was, it was some interesting stuff tonight. I'll say that. Yep. And, uh, and John Baker, every time we park the bus, we get our muffler stolen. It's the catalytic <laughs> converter, man. Like, that's, yeah, that's really yeah. what it is. Right. Car won't start yep. after that. Um, yeah. It's, Certainly a problem in Seattle. <laughs> it's a problem everywhere. <laughs> it's yeah. a problem everywhere. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely an issue. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Coop, is there like a return your unused timeouts for extra pucks at the end of the season thing I don't know about? <laughs> Probably If there is, not. we don't know about it either. I was huh? going to say, yeah, no, we don't. We, I haven't heard that. I, I'm telling you, I don't know what it is. I, I would love for like one coach to come in and really start using timeouts and doing things like that and then have success with it because it is a copycat league and, and everybody else would go along with it. This is, this is all your guys are Jay, all the, all the coaches you like, right? All the lawyers coming in, the Pete, the Boers, the John Coopers, and they, they, they're ruining everything RJ with their winning and their boring ways of doing it. With their winning. There you go. Oh, I'll, I'll, uh, you know, on the other side of this, I'll, I'll read this comment from Dave for a hell yeah, Dylan, lay down the knowledge like the people's elbow from the rock. If you smell <laughs> great comment there, Dave. Fantastic. You're very welcome. Yep. Love, uh, love the confidence boost for Dylan there at climate plunge. Yeah. Um, in, in the, the shadows in the darkness. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this comment, interesting comment from Chip here, and I think this points out something I, I did want to talk about. I didn't see Turbo doing Turbo things tonight, and he was a big help in the last two games. So on that front, I thought he had a good first period, 
again, like he was, he and the Wenberg and Schwartz line were doing their normal thing in the first, yep. but this is a trend I've noticed with Brandon Tanev in these games since he's come back. He's shot out of a cannon at the start of the game, you know, has a decent second period, and the energy just wears off a little bit in the third. Well, and it, is that is that totally surprising, especially for a player coming back from injury? Right for me. Well, yeah, I feel like no player can sustain that level of energy that he brings in the first over a full sixty minutes. How does a human do that? Right, there is an element of that, and maybe that's something that you know the the team can start planning around. Um, But I do think that that's there's an element of the coming back from injury, right? And uh, you know, there's there's all the stuff that goes into that, and then there is an element to what you're saying where if you don't pace yourself, you can start running into those issues. I think that that works for Tanev. Um, just because of the effort level that he's had earlier in this thing. I wish I could say that was the problem for the whole Kraken group, right? When they start running into third period problems and they only get a handful of shots each third period. Uh, But it's not quite. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Edward pointing out, he says, last season, right around the time the team, uh, the Kraken went on those win streaks, I started noticing a lot of Kraken ads on buses around town. Haven't seen so many bus ads this year so far. There we go. Hmm. There's the solution. Come on. Uh, you know, crack in advertising. Get, yeah. Get ads Which way does the cause and effect go? The more bus ads, the more wins, apparently. It's worth a shot it's, now. It's totally. It goes in that direction, right? Yeah. Uh, Daniel pointing out Haxtell did call uh, a timeout in the Red Wings game to drop the OT winner. Oh, okay. Yes, that's where it was then. Yeah. Um, Let's see, uh, Sean. Were there any notable Tanev brothers moments in this game? Did they meet up for warmups? Uh, if they did, I didn't see it, and I was watching for it because I was. I would love to have gotten that as a picture, um, but I, I don't believe that they did. Yeah, and I see all the comments in here. All the love for Jen. That is great. Jen post game MVP. She's like an outlet fairy. <laughs> yes, me. nice entrance, Jen. That's great. Um, and then Maddie bringing up the the captain issue again. Still feel like having captain would help. Uh, captain would help this team. Uh, like at at this point, like what? <laughs> I don't someone, know that if someone's going to yeah. step up and do it right. Like, but it doesn't feel like that's happened. Uh, it yeah. hasn't happened. Certainly on not the from ice up top. Anyway. Right. You know, slapping a C on someone's chest isn't going to make them that guy. Exactly. Someone someone needs to be more proactive about doing it if they want it. Right. And I feel like they still all want this to be a committee approach. And yeah, that's fine. But, you know, at, at some point you got to do something. Yeah, I mean, unless, you know, maybe the solution is we saw a guy with the Captain C on his Kraken jersey this morning. It was uh, on the, you know, on the TVs up at KCI uh, where someone had put Connor McDavid, Alex Ovechkin and all the others on the Kraken team. So you got McDavid with the C on there, then maybe that turns around. But uh, out of this group, I don't think so. Um, And then Maddie, uh, Maddie saying Matty still needs to put on 20 pounds. So he stops getting pushed around on the ice. What, what do, you, do you see from, from Matty Beniers in person in this one? Because we've talked about kind of the, the pushed around issue a little bit. This You had a chance to see him in person tonight. What did you think? I don't think that he gets pushed around. Like, I, I, I just don't. I, I think, you know, is there a time, you know, here and there where it happens and it maybe looks egregious? Yes. I think, look, you, anybody's going to go net front in, in, uh, against this Flames team, right? This, this Flames team constructed personally for Daryl Sutter where everybody on it is massive, especially on the blue line. They're going to push around anybody, right? Like nobody's, nobody's just going to walk in and, and be able to just get away with whatever they want. But at the same time, 
Maddie, like I said earlier, he's going net front, right? Like he really seems drawn to that area. He's playing super aggressive. The entire team is right now. You, like I said, look, go look at their shot maps. They're, they're all in and around the crease. They are really going after opposing goaltenders right now. And I think that's a big reason for their recent success is, is how they've been able to do that. And Maddie's been part of that. And, um, you know, like I said, is, are there times where he gets pushed around? Yeah, sure. But I, I really don't think that it's that big an issue, having seen him in person. Uh, there's plenty of times where he was able – I mean, go look at, at overtime, right? Like there was a great example of that in the corner where he was completely pinned in the corner and he fought his way through it and he protected the puck while he did so with perfect body position, using his shoulders. He was manipulating himself all over the place to protect the puck and stay on his feet. So there's a couple times where he drove the net. I, I, I think he's there. I, I just think it's, you know, a matter of, you know – you go up against Nikita Zadorov, right? What are you supposed to do? <laughs> yeah, although it just it does feel like last season he was he was kind of winning more of those battles. And I mean, yes, driving to the net and being in the net front areas, I think he doesn't shy away, certainly. But on, on some of those corner battles, I, I just I feel like he does get get pushed around. I don't know. I I still do you see think not well, all the time, but a lot of the time. Right. I mean, I brought this up with Maddie a little while ago. I think it was on a deep dive. But do you think that's because he's overthinking it there? We talked about the idea of him overthinking things everywhere. Do you think that he's trying to think of, okay, where do I need to go with this puck? And then he's he's completely turning himself, right? And so his back is completely to the defender. And it takes that very much takes you out of a play, especially in the corners, right? You're giving away a lot of ability for them to manipulate you rather than you kind of dictating how that battle is going to go down. Uh, do you think that that's been part of it for Maddie? Is you know well, they they, ch they kind of changed up what they want to do in the offensive zone with the cycle, and and maybe he's just thinking too much. I, I guess that could be the case. I mean, the evidence for he that stands up a little straighter. You lose leverage that way. I don't. Let's know. Say, the evidence for that I could see is the few times where I've noticed where it really feels like he looks like last season's Maddie Beniers in those battles, particularly like in that Islanders game where you saw it early. It felt like he was kind of going into those more naturally. Like he, he had this extra speed in his movement. Like he wasn't really thinking about it. Like he was just going to go do it and make the turn, make the pivot he needed to. And he just kind of, it was second nature to him. So maybe there is, maybe that is a, a reason why. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, like, I'm not trying to like argue completely this point, right? Like I, I'm with everybody. There have definitely been times where he has been pushed around, but at the same time, you look at, at some of the sequences he had denied or like, especially that one in overtime and you go like, that's, that's a guy who's, who's totally capable of, you know, almost playing a power forward style game if he wants to. Like he understands leverage. He understands protecting the puck. You know, he has it all in him. It's just why have we not seen it consistently as I guess what I'm getting at. And I think that's more of the question than does he need to be bigger? Yeah, I guess as with so many things, it, it comes down to a consistency issue with this team. Um, so an interesting bit of debate going on here in the chat. Um, so we have, let's see, uh, Coop saying, it's hilarious to me that we're giving Hack credit for making the goalie swap and solving the exact issue he created. Major, I think you should leave. We're all trying to find the guy who did this vibes. Um, and then, you know, Vyaren bringing it up, though, career splits seem pretty questionable when you're talking about two games worth of playing time for Joey. Grubauer has decent games against them, too. And I did look up Grubauer's uh, career splits against Calgary, and the win-loss record is not very good. But 918 save percentage going oh, okay. into this one, like that's not bad, um, you know. And I think a lot of the games, you know, the probably the better games were with 
Colorado um, or, or Washington, I guess. Um, but, you know, Sean pointing out the Kraken were 1-7-1 against Calgary coming into this game. As I remember, Joey was 1-0-1. That puts Gru as a Kraken at 0-7. I, I, I think Drieger might have some yeah, in there. Or Martin Jones. And, and also, uh, this is the first point the Kraken have ever gotten against the Flames at Climate Pledge. They were just straight up 0-5 here before. So yeah. I, I think that also, you know, kind of plays into it. But yeah, I, I get the idea of the splits versus riding the hot hand. It kind of goes with what I was talking about earlier with Belmont, right? You got to go with the larger sample size, maybe. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like with Groove, maybe the sample size wasn't actually that bad. Yeah, and at Grubauer, let's see, is 0-4, as Viren is is pointing out here, as a Kraken against the Flames. And, I mean, it, there was kind of this feeling, this assumption this morning of, I mean, we talked about it last post game. Well, you, it's Calgary, and, you know, Joey's better against Calgary, and Gru is not good against Calgary, so you started. And we didn't really look up those numbers or check it or anything. It's like Edmonton, too, where you know, okay, you know, Gru against Edmonton, not necessarily through any fault of his own, but that's just bad news. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know, but I... <laughs> yeah, but I think also just one one thing in this game too that I think you almost have to write it off is just because there was an injury. Grubauer yes. was injured, right. and when a goalie's injured, he's not going to play well. Uh, yeah. That's and that's not a coaching thing. You don't know that Grubauer is going to get injured before the game. It, I think it, it kind of invalidates all of it in my book. Yeah, it, it does at this point, right? And uh, yeah. but like like as to the original question of giving credit for the the goaltending switch, like at the time. I I, th- I would still do that, right? If this was if Grubauer wasn't injured and he was just having an off night, I would still give credit to a coach in this instance for for you know it, even if you think it was the initial mistake of playing the wrong guy of making that switch twenty minutes in, right? Kind of reading how the game is going and saying he doesn't have it tonight. We got to go with someone else who's going to give us the chance to win the game. Like I, I still stand by that in theory. I know a lot of different things have happened all around it, but I still am okay with that in general. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And yeah, if he's not hurt, I like that decision. I praised it earlier in this in this post game. Um, Olivia is saying, on a positive note, I was pleasantly surprised by some of the explosive shifts in the second period. Wish that energy would have carried over, but those bursts were fantastic. They were. I mean, it was an incredible push. Like I said earlier, it's one of the best second periods they've played all season. I mean, they looked absolutely unstoppable. They had the Flames completely back on their heels. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't get out of their zone. Um, you look at they were dominating on the faceoffs. They were dominating everything. Um, it's kind of incredible they weren't able to generate more power play opportunities given you know the Flames were so backed up against the wall and they were kind of playing so desperate in their own zone. But you know the, you could tell they were starting to get at at Vladar. The, the the rebounds were getting kind of jankier and jankier from him, right? Like they, the Kraken were doing an incredible job of pressing in this one and yeah it's you just got to figure out a way of carrying that over between intermissions and not letting that kind of stop all the momentum yeah i mean can you can you bottle it and and just get like you know release it Petition when you need? the league know. if you're at home you can cancel intermission or something i don't know yeah just get rid of intermissions keep the play going um yeah that that would be uh probably smart for the crack in here just have like 20 minute period 40 minute period that's it yeah. Um, so, uh, Dave pointing out, so Dave says, okay, one thing drives me nuts is the very aggressive forecheck from the Kraken. I think that it leaves the demon hung out to dry every time one good pass. And then we're in huge trouble. What do you think about the Kraken forechecking tonight? Was it too aggressive in your opinion? We know it can be aggressive and it can give can teams be. fits when it is. Um, but I mean, did the flames have a whole lot of in transition tonight? I didn't think so. Not, not as much as maybe some other games. 
and I will say this, right? Is it, it's, it's more so the deactivating that causes the problems for the Kraken rather than the four check. Cause I don't, in my opinion, the Kraken don't have a very aggressive four check, right? This, this isn't a dump and chase style team, right? This isn't a team that wants to throw it to the corner and then go in and bang bodies and, and try to win physical battles that way. This is very much a team that right now is trying to get pucks net front. They're trying to get shots from the point and generate rebounds and then have guys there to clean up those rebounds. They're trying to play a little east-west with some of their lines where they have guys like that, right? They want to incorporate that very much on the Yanni Gord line right now, it seems like, and a little bit also um, with, you know, you look at uh, the shifts from the second line even too, there was some elements of that. So I, I don't know. They're not they're not a team that's really going in there to, to bruise the other team. They, they don't look like the Flames, I guess, right? Where it's very much like go to the corner, win the puck battle, and then we can start a cycle, and that's how we'll generate our offense. Kraken don't totally do that. So it's more so a matter of they can be too aggressive by having the D step up. And then if they pinch at the wrong time or they take the wrong angle, the next thing you know, you have an odd man rush going the other way. And that creates a dangerous chance going back. Right. And it's at that point, I guess it's on a forward to recognize that and try and cover, but it moves so fast. You can't always do that. Um, so I see the goalie, the goalie debate kind of continuing down here in chat. That's most of what people are talking about. Um, and, uh, Coop saying, I don't ever believe a word of injury info from NHL coaches, not body parts, not timelines, nothing. They're all liars and fibbers. Um, Very I mean, we, we, yeah, that, that is a fair comment. Um, I, I think we could agree. I mean, I guess we'll, we'll see. It's, I just got the, uh, the email from the team. I guess practice is scheduled for tomorrow at 11 AM. So we'll see. You know, if Grubauer is there, yeah, if I mean, he looks 100% good to go, maybe you can, you know, maybe there's something to that. But uh, I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see, uh, you know, what we come up with. So yeah. uh, as we pass the hour mark here, kind of last call uh, for everyone in chat. If there's anything else, you know, just uh, put it in there and we'll, we'll try and get to it before the show's over. Dylan, any any. I don't know, any comments, takeaways from being there in person today that's, uh, you know, maybe different from watching the game on TV? Yeah, I mean, so much of it, right? You just, I was talking with um, Paul, who, who, you know, obviously ECH community member, did a great job singing the anthem, uh, last home game, all that kind of stuff. I was talking with him during the intermission and just having the energy, right? It's one thing to hear the crowd through the broadcast every so often and to watch the games and, and see everybody there cheering, but just to be in a building that is supporting the Kraken, right? Because I get a lot of road games. And so it's it's never that, right? You're never hearing big let's go Kraken and you're never hearing the grooves and all that kind of good stuff. And so just being able to experience that, it helps me feel so much more connected to this whole thing, right? I mean, obviously I have the, the wonderful connection with everybody here on all the post games and stuff, but to be in a building of you know 17,000 Kraken fans all, all excited to watch the team it that it's really cool experience for me having watched it from afar for so long. Yeah, that's that's great to hear. And I'm glad you get to experience this this week. Got a couple more games to go also. Um, and uh, yeah, just think we're about to show up tomorrow in a full body cast. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what uh, you know, what what things are at play tomorrow at practice. But uh, I think we're going to uh, oh super chat from light here. Uh, hey. Win or lose. This community is here and keeps coming back for all the fun on to next game. Thank you for the super chat light. Thank you for, uh, you know, helping us close it out on a, on a positive note here. Um, and again, I'm looking forward to the next game, you know, just in a couple days against San Jose, yep. another good opportunity to write the ship. And uh, thank you for the reminder there, light um, Sean with the beat the sharks. 
Yes, let's go. Yep. Um, <laughs> so, but before we go, I do want to thank uh, our sponsor, Flatstick Pub, one more time. Uh, Dylan, how does it feel to be this close to Flatstick Pub? And I mean, if you're if you got the goalie decision, do you go Grubauer? Do you go Decord? A lot of debate in here. Flatstick, you know, do you go with the putter? Do you go with the other putter? What do you do? Do you go with the Which happy Gilmore hockey stick style putter, right? That's really the question. That's See, I got to go in there and ask if I could use one of those or maybe a mini stick or something. Maybe that's what my, my short game has been missing all along, RJ. It's just I needed to go the true happy Gilmore route. I'm just built different that way. Yeah, lots of options at Flat Stick Pub and also lots of options with locally brewed beer too. Yeah. All local at Flat Stick Pub. They love the community. They love the Seattle area. And so it's it's only locally brewed beers there. Drink local, have fun. Those are those are the rules at Flat Stick. Um, and to everyone, but love the ECH community. Thank you uh, for everyone. And, uh, you know, I'm certainly saying see you all on Wednesday. Think ECH dance party. Think those positive yeah. thoughts. Going into uh, going into the next game, I'm losing track of the day of the week here. Going into Wednesday's Wednesday. game against San Jose. Um, all right, so that's it for this uh, ECH post game live, and I'll say it this time: we'll see you all next time.